Hey, Pronosos, welcome back. We've got an awesome episode. Um, thank you for joining us. And uh, we always like doing this. So um, we're excited to be able to have you back. I'm Bruce from Printavo. Got Stephen Fair, got a Campus Inc. And it's just us hanging out. I got a bunch of topics to bring up to talk about today. Um, real quick, though, we've got some amazing sponsors we got to talk about. And then we're going to jump right into it. First off, Multicraft underscore daddy. You guys know Multicraft as the daddy of the industry. You may know him as the premium ink supplies or daddy of the industry. Well, <laughs> now you can also DM him and get some PMI tape to try out for your shop. If you don't use PMI tape, just just DM him to try it. I was actually sending out some cases because I love it so much and I think it's so helpful for people. Follow him. He's up to 700 and... 90 followers. So he's almost at 800. Multicraft underscores daddy. They're providing with top brands at competitive pricing. Also, Printable Pod. If you mention it, you get 10% off your first order. Thanks, Dave. We appreciate you. Um, Bruce, do you do you spend all day cleaning dirty screens? Uh, you shouldn't because Easy Way's line of environmentally conscious chemicals will get the job done faster, more efficiently, and will cost you a fraction of the cost per screen. 701-842, those are Campus Inc.'s favorite Easy Way chemicals. And uh, if you value a company to help with how-tos, best practices, and questions, Easy Way is there. Give it a go. They are the easiest way. Uh, we're so grateful for them. And what's awesome is they work through like over 100 distributors, and they just, they're great. So use easy way. They're the easiest way. GraphX Source. If you need a solution to help improve efficiency and reduce costs in your art department, you already know GraphX Source offers industry-leading outsourcing options to help with your shop. What's really cool, though, is they plug into your team. They plug into your shop management solution, whether it's Printavo or anything else out there. Um, you know, SEPs, mockups, creative art, order management. Campus Inc. has three artists now uh, doing production art, stores, what? Mockups? Back office admin, building online stores, mocks, SEPs, digitizing, you name it. They're doing everything. nice. GraphX source. Make sure you mention Printable Pod for 50% off your order. Last but not least, Supercolor, you know Supercolor is the world's best heat transfer. And they have been made by screen printers, for screen printers. The founders are screen printers, which is really cool. Um, they took us through their facility. I'm still asking for the shop tour. They're not ready to showcase it yet. Ooh. But we'll get it. We'll get it soon. And it's incredible. Um Look, they, they, they're able to pump transfers out quickly. They're high quality, super easy, super fast, really easy to peel with this next-gen transfer. And I think more than that, the support team is incredible. I, you I have to stop you right there. That's probably the best part. Like That is the coolest part of Supercolor. Um, I literally can message them, and they respond within minutes about anything. And uh, they're supporting us next week for a, for a big conference that we're going to be at. It's, uh, they're just the best hit them up. Super color. Sorry, I, uh, I, I, I had to interject there. <laughs> Printavo one five, you get 15% off your order. Okay. Um, Steven where, so, all right, I got a bunch of things I want to chat with you about today, but first, since it's most relevant, you were just at the 
what, what was that conference called? It's like by the apparelist, right? We were or at by the apparelist, yeah. The apparel decorator summit by Napco and the apparelist. Um, it was really cool. It was in Nashville, Tennessee. I was three days long, started on a Monday, ended on a Wednesday, and it was a completely different format than any conference that I have ever been to. Um, what was unique about it was that sponsors actually covered us being there, which was really cool. What do you mean? And so like your flight, like, yeah, flight, hotel accommodations. It was more of a curated group, a little bit smaller of a group than like a traditional big conference. But then we got a lot of one-on-one time, um, with, uh, sponsors, vendors. I think I met more people at this conference that I didn't know than at any other show that I've been to. Um, just like a, a different, a different crowd a little bit, um, mm. kind of different generation. Wait, um, why? Like different you met vendors. them or, or they, cause they kept swapping people around or. Um, just like it was, it was definitely a different arrangement of people. Um, now granted, like all our, our favorite friends were there and stuff that we see regularly, but there were people that I, I didn't know much about or hadn't met. Um, spent a lot of time with like uh, the Cornet team, which was pretty cool um, to learn a lot about what what they're doing. Um, but what was really cool is is the conference was always moving around. Like it was in one building, but you had breakout sessions in small groups with 10, 10 15 people. You got to go through case studies. Um, you had some one on one speed dating time, um, and then you know it was really well done. Where like. Food was delicious. Everything was covered end to end. Entertainment, you name it. Um, they even did the first night was like an icebreaker. They brought in musicians and songwriters from Nashville to create jingles by team in this like for screen printing. So they had like a three minute <laughs> wow. song that you had to That's write cool. with your team. And Justin Lawrence had a had a whistle solo that was really good. Um, shout out Justin Lawrence for your whistle solo. Um, and, uh, Alexa had a, uh, like, um, had a solo that was awesome. So we have to get those on camera. They're, they're, they're well, what, pretty sweet. So but, what were some of the specific stuff too? So you mentioned like Corny, it was interesting. They had a big presence there. Um, anything more about that? Um, like, yeah, Cornet stalls, um, some other, other vendors that were there like Delta apparel, Essentially, it sounded or it felt like the you know if you were the title sponsor, you probably got the most FaceTime with um, the audience or or you know everyone was there. So they gave like a really interesting talk on how you know yeah they have these super expensive DTGs, but that they're building this massive network um, and this tech stack to allow printers to connect to them, um, which I thought was really interesting because I, I didn't know that about Cornet. Um, and so like another, another talk was like by DuPont, who's an ink manufacturer. If you remember, Scott Fresner mm-hmm. talked about getting DuPont to make early DTG inks. Right. There was this the whole talk on DTF inks. Uh, yeah. On DTF inks. And so I got to meet with them. Um, and, uh, you know, melt with like Delta apparel hadn't really connected with Delta apparel before. Um, so, so yeah, it was, you know, you kind of have to like, there's a part of it where you know, since you're there for free, they're going to be kind of hitting you up for different things. And I think it was just a good understanding, like be a good sport, you know, be a good contributor, be a good team member, you know, don't ditch things. 
Um, and so I thought it was pretty cool. Like it was very, very well done. I, I give the team a lot of credit. Uh, it was, it was really beautifully done. So, yeah. Mm. yeah uh, I forget where I heard about this too. I think it was sent over email, but you can subscribe to hear more at, uh, search, just Google search apparel decoration summit. Um, and it's somewhere, it, oh, summit.apparelist.com. And that's where I think you can uh, stay tuned for, for future events. Any interesting people that you met? Because you said there's a couple different uh, characters. Um, yeah, you, you had like all... So I think it was definitely more of like bigger shops, right? Probably, and I'm just ballparking like above, you know, million dollar shops, I'd say. Um, it's not to say there probably weren't anyone smaller than that there, but like, you know there were some big names in the crowd uh, and there were shops that run, you know, have 50 to a hundred employees um, like hung out with Carlo a lot from culture. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was definitely uh, more of a, a different crew, uh, like big contract shops were there, uh, which was pretty cool. So yeah, it was like, it was like a little elevated and a little more focused. Um, and I think because you had to apply to it, like, their team got to curate probably a, a pretty good crew that was there, but it's not to say there weren't small shops there. It was definitely like pretty focused. Um, mm. Rock had a, had a good presence there. Um, and so you, you, I felt like, you know, when you go to long beach and it's just like way too much crap in your face, mm -hmm. it was much more curated. There were only like 30, 40 sponsors that were there. You know, you, you got time to talk to everyone if you wanted to. And, um, it, it wasn't as overwhelming, um, as like a normal trade show. Got it. That's pretty so, cool. Yeah. Let's see. Where do we go for you? I, I have this bullet point here. It says fair grant, how badly you would take back trying to stick to a customer or to be right. <sighs> what? <laughs> <laughs> You've had a long couple of weeks. Well, uh, yeah, wait, so how long, <laughs> we're not going to get there. <laughs> Are we going to go there? Oh boy. All right. Really Backstory, just give, to give the synopsis so people could follow along your journey. <laughs> I moved recently in Chicago to a new apartment. We rent in Chicago on purpose because everything floods. Um, moved to a new place. Loved it. Seven days later, uh, neighbors had a Memorial Day party and inconclusively the roof was on fire. So rooftop in Chicago on fire. We weren't there. Fire department comes, floods our entire unit because our unit is directly below the roof. So we get a call seven days into our new lease that our place is flooding. And for the last two weeks, we have been a construction site and a bunch of insurance companies arguing with each other. And then, uh, on Tuesday night, it rained again really hard, and uh, it rain, was no roof uh, a rainstorm in our rain. Yeah, um, so uh, that's my life right now, and I'm learning patience again. I'm learning how you should really like talk, you know, pick your landlords wisely. Uh, and then I'm also learning that I have to find a new place. We're actually going to move out because the next three months are going to be like hell. So we're just like, F it. We're out of here. So that's, yeah, that's, that's how my couple of weeks have been going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not that, Anyways. Not great. All right. 
not great. <laughs> uh, yeah, not great. Not great. So um, everyone's fine. I mean, we weren't there for it. It's just more annoying as hell. Uh, and, you know, if my landlords are listening to this, screw off. Um, let's talk <laughs> printing. All right. I got I got uh, two different things. You could pick the route, either VA tips or um, data. And we'll, which one do you want to start with? Let's go with data because I was just on a call yesterday about data. It was top of mind. What do you got? Okay. Um, all right. So some of you may know, but I try to open source data from Printabo. Um, you know, having it run a few thousand shops now, we're able to collect some interesting uh, microeconomic data on how the industry is going. Um, sometimes I'll call other vendors, uh, Danny at M and R, um, Ross at rock, um, you know, folks at Anatole and I'll just say, Hey, like how's sales going? Ryan at, you know, um, Dave multi-craft, you know, tell me how is your, what's your deal flow look like? Are you guys seeing any slowdown? And I think the problem that I find is that it's very subjective a, but B it's sort of what's top of mind. So everybody, you know, it's, it's sort of a feeling and there's not as much hard data other than, you know, just pipeline and just generally how sales are going. So I wanted to dig into our data. Like, could we see trends of what's happening in the industry and things that are happening? So I spent a little bit extra time and I'm also going to put a link down in the description below of this, um, of this dashboard. Um, but maybe I, I can actually share this so you can see this too. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen V1. I know that Carson was helping you with SQL queries. Um, <laughs> oh, we I forgot this. I actually didn't tell you this. Um, yeah, Carson was super helpful. And then Chat GTP was super helpful. Chat so, GTP or GP Bruce? So V1, this was V1 at the bottom here. So orders created by year. And I think it's still interesting. The problem is, is it's not normalized over the number of shops. But you can see general trends of orders. So for example, like COVID, you could see the general just downside of order volume and then the pickup again. Um, you can see the slowness in April on average, um, which was a little bit more exaggerated than normal. Um, but you can follow these overall. I, I, I'm going to call them quote unquote macro trends in the space. Now, here's something interesting. And, and I wrote a bunch of bullet points. So I'm going to kind of go through this. So first thing is the order average order sale by month. So this is the average like sale of an order by month for only shops in the U S with orders under, I think I limited to a hundred thousand dollars. Um, the fascinating piece here is that we've always talked about, and I've heard this mentioned a lot of times that, Oh, the average order sale is shrinking. It's getting smaller. People are ordering more, uh, uh, more times, but the average order sales during this data is not showing that this is the complete opposite. In fact, it's going up. And since really COVID, it really started to, you see this like sort of kind of steady line. It really started to spike up after 2020. Bruce question here are, are, did you, were you able to filter out quotes and invoices or are these yes, just all only looking all, at invoices? Okay. Sweet. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. For listeners, January, 2014 average order about $400. Right. 
January 2022, average About. order almost $660. Yeah. Go a year there, 680 Yeah. Run the inflation line for a second. Is that, if you take, what's, <laughs> what's inflation? I should be able to cross it over. I mean, it's been, uh, you know, two and a half to three percent up until the last year. So, which is uh, along this line here. Yeah, that's basically, let's see over this is, I didn't do math very well back in the day. Well, the, the powers really mess with me. Yeah. It's I mean, really that's, June that's 2020 four, that it's really started spiking. Yeah. Um, I think what's also interesting is does your average order size in the fall of that year change versus the spring? So like December 2015, average order was 448. Um, June, it's still 450. I always thought the average order size would go up because you're selling more expensive goods like hoodies and t-shirts. Um it's possible. I mean, granted, this is overall law shops, and the majority of shops are in Texas and California, just geography based wise. So, you know, I mean, it, it, it sort of ignores the geography because of that, because of that skew. But yeah, I mean, right when inflation started, um, and especially with COVID and everything, everything really, I mean, went up a good 20% or so. Wow. I think what's crazy is when you look at, like when you actually start to look at this of like active accounts, you know, you are aggregating a hundred, is that a hundred billion dollars? No, 103. Uh, like go to an average total. Si- yeah. How much, how much revenue is this processing? This is interesting. Um, Roughly a billion, billion and a half a year in, in uh, like volume of people collecting payments. So, wow. Um, yeah, a good amount oh. of a good amount of data that comes in. And so like the second one, all right, average total sales by account per month. This one's also been interesting. Um, so you know, you could start to see trends a little bit better. This is sort of the normalized view of the first version that we created. Um odd, very odd, you know, interesting sales dips that you can see, right? COVID here, but also notice like the normal December, January, but not a, the best pickup in February of this year um, with things starting to really starting to uh, cruise. But then normal, notice the dips in April, right? So you wow. see these trends that is different, for example, than 2019. 2019 had a significant uptick in March, April. This year had an interesting downtick, April down to uh, March to April, and then back up in June. So some some sort of odd um, industry trends that that happened there month by month. This is okay. This is really cool. Okay, first of all. I don't know. So <laughs> there was an economist at the Apparelist that spoke and he put out this whole report and it was over only surveyed 130 shops. <laughs> and, and the problem with the surveys, I mean, I think they're great. I, I think it's a part, it's a piece of the picture is they're 
sort of, again, what's top of mind for people. It's not right. peering into the data. But anyway, go on. So so I was looking at it. I was like, okay, it's still only 130 shops that filled out a survey. You literally have so... And you have true data. Like It's not subjective because you're pulling it from the database. Right? right. And so this is like real, real trend lines, which I think just makes it so much more interesting to look at. All right, keep going. Okay. The last one, and unfortunately, this data set is just so slow that I'm going to have to, I, I may just have to pull this up. Maybe I'll save this for next time, but I'll give you the summary. So, average order quantity per month. Again, this goes to the, the theory that people are saying that um, order sizes are going down. Um, Based on my data, especially because of digital, that was like kind of the, the, the saying of the space for five years or so. Not true. Um, not true, in fact. So um, what, what I was seeing was that the average order quantities actually jumped after COVID and maybe due to inflation too, about 20%. Uh, and it's slowly coming back down. How many shirts per order or how many units per order? Exactly. The average was 115 before COVID. I'm glad I wrote this down since it's not loading right now. After COVID um, and since, it's been about 140 to 150 and is slowly uh, trimming back down, but very, very slowly. So, Okay. So what 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 inferences can we make from here? Well, I think the first thing we could say is these are only Printavo shops and they're going up and to the right. So if you are a Printavo shop and the economy says it's going like this, you're actually beating it. So you should buy Printavo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But but that is Um, a good point, right? Like if you're not doing so well, you're probably not paying for services, you know, um, extra services or growth or things like that. I mean, Printavo tends to be for shops that are, flatter growing. Yeah, but but I will say those are shops that are taking an interest in like making sure they don't miss the curve, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's something to be said there. Um it's no surprise that the Printavo shops on average have grown. It's no surprise. Like that's the coolest part I think about the software is when we started with the software versus where we're at now. If every one of the Printavo shops did that, I bet you, you would see a lot of up and to the rights, like from a, from there, which I think is cool. I think that's a testament to our community and helping out one another and like being focused on this stuff. I guess like, can we narrow this down to, okay, if we're talking about data, what are the key data points that you should measure in your shop, even if it's manually? Are there like six or seven points that you think are super important that you should track regularly? I mean, you'd have to riff on that. I mean, you should just pull what you're doing now, right? I know you've talked about average order um, size and how do we increase that? I gave you a question I wanted you to ask me. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) What data points? What are your five? Actually, that's fascinating. What are your five data points that you measure? And, And also, tell us the frequency of which you measure it. Is it daily? Is it weekly, monthly, quarterly? Yeah, so when we were smaller... I was really like habitually measured a couple things. Average order value. What is the average order value per week? Okay, so if we if we produced or sold, I, I think I did it by customer due date. I would take everything by customer due date and divide it by the total amount of jobs, and I would just track that number every week. And I'd be like, oh, 
AOV was 1300 this week. Oh, AOV was 900. Oh, AOV was 1600. And I just always in my head wanted to know what my AOV was because if I knew that number, I could always be teaching our team to figure out how to get their value up, right? Interesting. And so um, that's a number that is super, super important to me. And I take it by customer due date divided by total orders that week. That's it. How, how do you interweave that with the team? Is that something like, how do you bring that up with them? Are they looking at it often too? Yep. 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 So the, the sales team knows their AOV every month and we spend, we, we kind of debrief, um, and go through it. And we, we talk about like the trends and the patterns and, and why that might be a thing, you know? And so, um, Bruce, I'll invite you to one of our, uh, Slack channels. Um, well, maybe you don't need to be in it, but it says like, Hey team, we hit our sales goal for the last month as a company and everyone dug deep to do their part. Here's a high level overview of the month. We had a solid AOV, 180 orders, you know, yielding, uh, in B2B sales, $293,000, 25% of those orders are above that number while 75% of them are below the AOV. That means we processed a lot of small orders. They take up a lot of time, but they still mattered. Of the top 45 orders, our AOV was $4,600. And so I, I just, it's kind of like my little report to the team to be like, hey, just be thinking about this. Look at your 2080 rule. You know, make sure your small orders are processed quickly, but they still matter. Right. Um, and I, and I rally the team around AOV. I think it's a super easy way that a team can drive sales. Does that make sense? Mm. Are there any example, like do, does the top performers share what they're doing or how, how do you get the lower performers to, to crank it up? Um, I don't think it's necessarily lower performers. We know we're going to get small jobs. We just want to automate them as quickly as possible and not spend time on them. Oh, so I'm like, hey, 75% of your orders were under the AOV. They probably took up a lot of your time. How do we how do we how do we get it so you're spending more time on your on your bigger clients? Right. Um so Is there can can you think of an example of how you helped either automate or got rid of the customer? How does that work? Well, it's not so much like get rid of, right? Because we're obviously working with a lot of students, we're working in communities, like we're taking what's at us. Um, but like, you know, Jenna who crushes by herself can crush 200 K a month. Sometimes I'll be like, we have to get you help to deal with all of your orders under your AOV. So like any order under your AOV, I want you to send it to this person to like, just take care of it and process it. Mm, Don't even, so she you know, can spend her time on bigger accounts on bigger fish. Right. So it's, it's more just like getting them to think about their time as a pie and knowing that like, the more time they lean into their bigger clients and can automate their smaller ones, um, the better they're going to do. So AOV is really important to us. Um, and then I look at how much revenue we produced in a week in a seven day prime frame, how much revenue like flow through came through our shop. Um, and then I look at um, uh, like how much revenue per hour that was. Does that make sense? So if I look at our B2B side and say it was a hundred grand in a week, uh, that came through our automatic printing presses or like was in B2B, I'll take 40 hours and say, okay, uh, it generated, you know, $2.5,000, whatever, whatever a hundred divided by 40 is. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know our throughput there is 2.5 K per hour. Right. And so like, I like knowing that number in my head and then I'll also look at the D to C side of the business and be like, okay, how much revenue did we do? Divide that by 40 hours in a week. Did that, how much revenue did that produce per hour? And so that's how I back into, am I covering my nut or am I burning cash? Right. Um, in the summer months, we burn a shit ton of cash because it's slow. Uh, mm-hmm. But in the fall, I want to know the days that are profitable. So revenue per hour, AOV, uh, go ahead. Yeah, revenue per hour, AOV. I also like to just know simple numbers, like how many total jobs did we get out? 50, 100, 80? Like just like very simple things that aren't overly complicated. They should be, you should be able to run that, you should be able to get those numbers within an hour a week and an intern should be able to do them for you. That's like, if it's too hard for an intern to do it and it takes more than an hour a week, the data is too complicated. So I don't know. What about you, Bruce? Like, are there, are there like eight, are there a handful of numbers that you want to see every week? Um, or like month I, when you were growing? Uh, yeah. Obviously, you know, being uh, software, software as a service type of company, we, you know, look at revenue, which is monthly recurring revenue, we call it. Um, average revenue per user, which is your same as your AOV. Um, we also look at lifetime value of a customer. So how long does the average customer stay with us and versus the churn of customers? Have, is there a way you think that you, you can calculate lifetime value or is that hard because, um, like is, or, yeah. or is it within a time period, like a year, how much does the average person order in a year? Is that a better way of um, slicing it? I think you can look at, I think you can look at when a customer's first start date order was and when their end date was right. That tells you like the time difference between them. Right. And then you can divide that by uh, how much revenue they've done. So if they were with you for three years and they've ordered 60 grand over that three years, right? Um, and I think you could take an average of that. You could take the space, but the time between their first and last order and how much revenue they've done. And that would give you the average lifetime value of a customer in a B2B sense, right? Does that make sense? It's yeah. not, not how you would calculate it in the tech world. Yeah. But close. That makes sense. Um, those are the metrics. And then obviously we look at churn too. So people leaving uh, from canceling, which which is interesting. I feel like metrics in the e-commerce world are more similar to shops though, in that how they calculate lifetime value may be more relevant. And, and that's something... Um, off to look up or maybe you've seen like on triple triple whale or some of these uh other websites yeah like we use polar analytics where they take talk about cac and you know ltv and and all these figures it's good for shops even if this is like above your head to figure out i think the message is figure out five or six numbers that you want to track and then just try to consistently track them for like six months just whatever. It doesn't matter what those numbers are. If they are important to you, track them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just start to like learn from them and get smarter with them. I, I can't tell you that like I just went from 
you know, zero to all that. When I first started out, it was very simple. It was, you know, AOV and how many orders we did. Um, and I would keep it like very, very simple. So, um, like Bruce, there's also the notion that you've heard people say it's harder to acquire a new customer than to just lean into an existing customer. So, a number that you might want to track every month is how many new customers did we source? How many existing customers did we do orders with? Could be cool. I like it. Right. Um, okay. All That's right. good on I'm data. Gonna, I sent you Ooh, if, a link. Oh, go ahead. If, if, if anyone is good at this, let us know. Cause I was, uh, I think this is a sore spot for shops. I think this is something that's scary. Yeah. It would be awesome to have a dad and nerd on here. Um, Shoot me an email, bruceupprintava.com. Let's get you on. I just shot you a All link. Right. I spent yesterday writing this. Uh, and I was like, I've gotten asked about this um, using assistance a couple times now. I feel like over the last even just a few weeks, maybe since we've been talking about it a little bit more. But I wanted to spend time writing this out. So for anybody who hasn't hired an assistant, I think that, you know, we're always looking for efficiency, whether that could be for you buying new equipment or hiring a person, um, being more productive, you know, there's all kinds of life hacks out there for people. Now, I feel like whatever the trend is of cold tub, hot tub, meditation, whatever the deal is. But I think one of the easiest ways (laughs) to multiply your output is an assistant. Like someone that's your right hand person that can be able to help you execute and do things every day and take stuff off your plate. And so if you haven't used an assistant before, I feel like it's very difficult to get into how to maximize that. And so I wrote this, you know, post, it probably takes five minutes to read it. Um, And basically it goes through all the things that I used to be able to help set it up for success. So first of all, I talk about the cost. We use a company called Belay Solutions. Um, I know, Stephen, you think you said Support Shepherd. Um, There's a bunch out there. Yeah, Chelsea Brinkley has been awesome. Chelsea Brinkley, she could find you people. Yeah, so there's a ton out there. Um, And I think the, the understanding too is that This person also isn't helping you with work stuff, which I listed out all kinds of things to be able to help with, with getting new people started, hiring or, uh, uh, you know, ordering things, um, cleaning out email, making sure you only need to see the things you need to see, um, you know, sending out customer gifts, all kinds of stuff, but also personal things too, booking doctor's appointments, uh, vet visits, um, scheduling someone to come by the house and just have it clean for you, things like this that make your life easier so you could focus on the most important things. And then the hardest part, which I feel like is the training part. So I actually built this uh, handbook out. And so you can download this handbook from the link there and it's got a guide for you to fill out. And this is going to be what you give the assistant to be able to take and offload a lot of stuff right away. It's got flight information in your preferences. It's got hotels, car rentals. Um, it's got government ID things. It's got email preferences, mailing addresses, all that stuff. So copy that, download it. And then the last um, bigger tip, I think, are it, it talks about task confirmations. So when you first start delegating to an assistant, 
what's tricky is that you sort of think about, did this get done? Like, did they do it? And then you check on it, right? Um, let them confirm it for you. Check, let them ask them to like the message or do something that confirms it and then have them respond back later to say, yep, done. So it makes you feel good and at ease. So anyway, there's a bunch of different tips in here. Hopefully you guys find it helpful. I'll drop it in the description down below. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, just, Bruce, I, you're very yeah. passionate. You're very passionate about this. So are so are a lot of Twitter users. <laughs> Dude, isn't that interesting? I was like, how did this become popular on Twitter all of a sudden over the last like month? Um I feel like we've been talking about it on here. You followed Nick Huber. <laughs> well, he's been talking about it, but our our first I look back, our first episode of V's was about a year ago. And I, okay. I just think that it's one of the biggest 180 shifts that both of us probably felt of before and after before it's like, no, I can handle it. I'll do it. I'll, you, you know, like I don't need somebody else to, to do this, like minute things, um, you know, add it to my plate. And then after it's damn, why didn't I, why didn't I have this a lot sooner? And why was I spending so much time on stupid stuff? There are different types of VAs. Um, there are, you know, ones on U.S. soil that really work as like your personal assistants. There's offshore companies like GraphX, people you can hire in the Philippines. Can you maybe go through what type of VAs you should hire for what services? Because I feel like shops might get those crisscrossed. Yeah. So I think location and time commitment are probably the two axes. So you can have essentially part-time, you can have full-time, and then you can have people here or people overseas. I think there's a connotation um, probably from when offshoring labor started that overseas talent is just not as good. I think that over the last couple of years, we've definitely seen that dispelled and there's like really good talent overseas and especially for less because uh, the labor is a lot cheaper. Now um, there's also other things to consider though. Time zone, right? Are they able to work on a similar time zone as you, if that matters um, and then skill set. So people that are good, for example, graphic source has a lot of uh, good people working, you know, in Honduras and, and in a bunch of other countries, um, around the world that are super talented in art and are trained and they have people there. There's companies like supportshepherd.com that's uh, heavily based in the Philippines. Very good, very English speaking, very skill uh, set centered as well. And then Belay has all their talent in the US. And um, I like that because I wanted to give more of my personal info for, for personal and work balance stuff. And I felt comfortable there. So I was surprised 45 hours, at least for us. Um, and I use it, you know, Amanda to be able to help as a office admin as well so that anybody can reach out to her to book flights, to, to, to do things, to buy things that they need. And then for my personal stuff, the 45 hours per month was great. And actually a good amount of time. I know you've got, do you, are your assistants full time? And then also what are they doing for you? Right. So we first started, so there's like different paths that we've taken. The first part was like using GraphX and those are very much like services that can run in the background with not a lot of input from our team. 
and like graphics, just like they are part of our team. They're on our schedule, but we don't talk to them a whole lot. They're making mock steps, proofs, doing that. And it just runs. Um, the good part about that is, uh, we've kind of trained them to our operating system and now they can train each other and scale up as we get busier. So like our art department completely automated with VAs and there's different levels and hierarchy of, you know, when to digitize or use a high end SEP and all that stuff. So then we have like onshore VAs or, or us based. Um, and those are through like hiring services and more often than not, my goal is to try to get them to full time if they're good, because sometimes professional VAs on like on U.S. soil, they could hop around a little bit if you're not mm. careful. You with me? Like they yeah. might only last a couple of years. So believe it or not, we hired three who all started as VAs that now work for us full time. Um, and Where we just, they like, slowly of? transition them. Uh, South Carolina, New Hampshire, North Carolina. Wow. Um, and they are the backbone of Campus Inc. Like um, full-time they, benefits and, and everything? Like they're incredible. Yep. Full-time benefits wow, and everything. that's awesome. Incredible. And what a great what a great training test or hiring test. Right. I think the one part about VAs is it's low risk. If it doesn't work, it's easy to kind of cut ties versus hiring a full-timer, ramping them up having them in your shop every day. There is a, there's less like fatigue on, you know, they always say if you hire someone, it's hard, you know, it's harder to fire someone than hire someone, right? With VAs, it's easier to cut ties if it's not working quicker. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, totally. I was going to say, and then now we're starting to hire like growth assistants in the Philippines that are very operational heavy that just do the same thing over and over and over again. Um, and that's where we're finding them in like accounting, Shopify support, Clavio support, very, very niche heavy. Um, and those are ones that probably don't work on our, on our schedule, but they just work in the background. Do you use anything for reporting? I've heard that's a, a good use case too. Yeah. So like Watson, our CFO is starting to going to hire, uh, from support shepherd, um, someone who's going to just do reporting for him. Uh, but our VAs, like our team, kind of a remote team, are the ones that prepare reports. Um, they're more in the data, um, and they get everything ready for us. So, yeah. I think this is good. I've got a couple of tweets I want to share, but I'll save it. Actually, let me, I'll share one, and then we'll use this to wrap up, and I'll save the another one for next time. Um, good tweet of the week here. Delegation often means sacrificing quality. The person you delegate to can do said task 80% as well as you in order to multiply your efforts by a hundred X. The benefit is scale. The downside is imperfection. Do you want to chop wood in your backyard and sell it door to door? Or do you want to own 10 sawmills? It's a very personal choice. I like that. It's from uh, Andrew Wilkinson. Your boy. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Uh, if you notice... Bruce, there's definitely a trend. We've been on Twitter a lot more. There's just so much good business stuff flowing off, um, flowing out of there. So anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Printable Pronosis Podcast. We're signing off. We'll see you on the next one.
Thanks so much for listening. Hopefully that was informative. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to like. Don't forget to hit the bell for notifications if you enjoyed this video. If you enjoy all the stuff we're putting out, it's really helpful. We love to just be able to see it. That means that we're doing a good job. To subscribe, hit the bell for notifications, and hit the like button. And I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.